You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I am an astrologer. Welcome. I am going to start the show this week with um, actually a congratulations to myself. This is episode number 26, which means I have been making shows since last October. This is sort of my six month first anniversary. And despite lots of hiccups along the way, uh, like, for instance, my latest hiccup, which occurred, and I'm I'm pleased that people do email me and let me know if they've discovered a problem with the taping of these shows. Um, and there was probably the last two shows because I've been taping them in my kitchen, actually up in my studio. Um, and what I realized is if I turn my voice away from facing full on to my computer, my voice just kind of disappears. <laughs> and so I hugely apologize for that. I was not aware of that. Um, uh, and so I did retape last week's, that's episode 25. I did retape that show and it is up on my website. And as far as I know, I did not turn away. <laughs> <laughs> and give you any blank spots. So I'm hoping um, today that uh, I can, uh, you know, sort of keep myself face forward um, and give you this week's episode, which, like I say, is my six-month anniversary. Yay, me! No. <laughs> okay, so what am I on about this week? Well, in the Kitchen series, um, we continue here on the West Coast, and apparently we are breaking um, drought records or records of no rain in April that go back 70 years. Don't know if that's going to end up being a good thing. We already have a fire out here on the West Coast, and hopefully it can be swiftly put out. But this is the time of year when life shifts from just that enthusiasm of the spring erupting of Aries and it settles down into one of my most favorite signs and that is Taurus. Um, we have the sun's ingress into the sign of Taurus on Sunday and I have, well, I've pretty much made this entire episode about Taurus. And as you've guessed it, I have 12 new signs, or signs, 12 new um, charts for us to look at that demo um, what one might expect if they have significant signatures with Taurus um, being represented. So this could be the sun, the moon, the ascendant, or just a mashup of a bunch of planets in one sign, which occasionally does happen. Okay, now um, let's first of all just kind of cruise through some of the core meanings of Taurus. Okay, now foundation and stable. That's kind of one of the first things that comes to mind when you think about Taurus energy. Um, it's the ground that you plant things into. 
it's a receptive feminine sign um, but it's also fixed in its nature and so when it does choose to build it wants that to last um, to have longevity and stability okay Taurus as I see it is the epitome of in body experience and in the world as we used to know it people with strong Taurus signatures can revel in all this world has to offer um, to the five physical senses oh and one other tip if you want to buy quality okay I always recommend taking a Taurus shopping oh they have such a discerning eye they can tell quality they can tell fake from real um, and their aesthetic sensitivity is usually quite keen um, and they will also um, encourage you know for all of the senses to be engaged in whatever it is your you know whether that's clothes or music or furniture or whatever um, because they are living life through the body um, yeah okay so one of the challenges though to the Taurus signature and well the simplest yet well the most difficult and and I might be placing a little too much emphasis here is on the concept of share I often think of the movie Finding Dory and the segment where all the seagulls come chanting mine 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 and Taurus just always pops up for me um, and so I mean this very likely tongue-in-cheek she says probably only really shows up strongly in children with Taurus signatures and I mean all kids go through this where they have to figure out how to share but I suspect that the fixed signs Taurus being probably the preeminent in this department um, you know will find it difficult to share now um, enough of the modern day descriptions the Hellenistic astrologers took meaning from the planets in their domiciles or put another way the planet Venus is very happy in Taurus and is a unifying agent here the moon is also exalted in Taurus one can only imagine having Venus and the moon co-present in Taurus in any house in any sect and that comforting awe comes to mind and then she paused did her search on the internet and went oh dear <laughs> you know so I did run a list because inquiring minds want to know and I don't know what I thought I would find but who I found was a bit of a surprise okay so the first one was Bernie Madoff and you know he was the guy that fell uh, went to jail for the perfect Ponzi scheme um, and so he, what he was likely able to do with that um, moon in Taurus with Venus there is uh, to just create this this feeling of luxury and security and stability and people fell for it and he made off with all their money until he got caught um, so the next guy which I am going to be taking an even closer look at was Karl Marx and you know so my awe theory kind of started to fall apart until we got to somebody like Rob Lowe where there could be a significant awe in 
in his, you know, circle. Um, the other one was Peter Dinklage, which at some point I will um, also, you know, take a closer look at his chart. But okay, so much for my theory. Um, Taurus signatures, EI, the ascendant, the sun and the moon, or like I said, uh, general pileup, will be like dogs with a bone, persistent, sticking to and carrying through no matter what. One must remember that with Sun and Taurus in the first six places, we will have a night chart. It must be noted that Uranus is also rocking the Taurus world for the next five years. It began back in 2018 and will continue until 2025. So these poor folks are having personal earthquakes periodically. And this is not something that they're going to enjoy at all. Um, stability is what they thrive on. Although obviously for most people, they will have more than just the Taurus circuit in their chart. And so there will be other parts of their personality that can sort of help them get through a period of Uranian instability, shock waves, general earthquakes, minor explosions, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so my presentation this time is I chose to use the sun and go through a Taurus sun in each of the 12 houses. And so, as I have mentioned before, typically you get uh, a more, not more, the clearest expression of a sign if it is the sun and the ascendant rising in that sign. And so that's a first house, Taurus Sun. And who we have is George Lucas. Now, um, when I first picked George, I'm like, oh, I think I remember this guy. And so I went back to, um, I think it was episode 15. And, you know, I hate to admit that I have mercury under the beams. <laughs> that could be the excuse I use from here on out. But I somehow managed to transpose Steven Spielberg onto George Lucas, whom I'm sure the two, although they did actually go to some art schools together and knew each other and obviously know each other, you know, once their careers got going. Um, but I managed to transpose their... Um, early upbringing. I apologize immensely. If you go back to episode 15, just cut and paste because <laughs> I was totally wrong. I gave Mr. Spielberg George Lucas's childhood. Yeah, that didn't happen. Okay, so I will get it straight this time. Back to George. He has a night chart with the sun six degrees below the horizon and co-present with that Venus. So a very strong sun loves to be in the first house. It's its joy. Um, it, it's okay being in Taurus, especially when the domicile Lord, which for Taurus would be Venus, is present with it. And so we have a truly happy um, Taurus sun and Mercury is also here. 
his early life, as I uh, know, uh, <laughs> um, his early life, his he was headed in a different direction from making movies. When he was young, he was going to be a race car driver, but a very serious accident transformed that into storytelling instead, which given all I have said so far about Taurus sounds incredulous. So what gives? One of our five physical sense organ is the body as a whole, I'm thinking. The pure rush of adrenaline must rank in there. Okay, so even though I think a lot of us might mistakenly think of all Tauruses as couch potatoes, yeah, not so much. Because part of that five physical senses is the entire experience that the body would have and the completely in-body experience of driving a race car. Now, once I sort of wrap my head around that, I would say that both his very big franchises, Star Wars and Indiana Jones series, are very visceral. Um, if you think about, especially, you know, what comes to my mind, I'm more familiar with the Indiana Jones series than with Star Wars. But uh, with the Indiana Jones one, it is very visceral in sort of the the moment to moment, um, you know, death defying, which almost is an echo probably of the very car accident that he went through as a teenager. Okay. Um, and he's also stayed the course in a very Torian manner in the sense that, um, you know, he found his niche and he kept going with it. Now, I'm just thinking, is there anything else I probably need to mention about this? No, I'm going to pay attention to my time and I think I should probably move on to the second house. And this is a chart that I've also used in prior episodes. And this one is Shea Guevara. And in particular, I looked at um, his Saturn up in the ninth, which is in Sagittarius, um, giving him that sort of um, soapbox. I have a mission. I know what I believe in. I am going to fight for that cause, etc., etc. And unfortunately, with an Aries rising, the fight was there. But he also has a Taurus sun. Okay, so this is a night chart. Um, and so unfortunately, that does make that Saturn, uh, the malefic, the bad guy in his chart. And so his own um, Taurus style adherence to what he believed was right and wrong um, without any give, which is not uncommon for a fixed sign, um, you know, was contributing to the fact that he eventually, um, you know, was, well, some would say murdered, some people would say um, was, you know, justifiably executed. Um, I think most people would say murdered, though. <laughs> Okay, the sun is co-present again with Venus, um, making that sun, you know, strong. In the second house, it loves being there. It understands livelihood. It understands having the resources necessary to follow through with, in his case, uh, what that Aries Jupiter wanted, which was to fight for what he believed in. Okay, so I imagine his steadfast convictions to his goal carried him throughout his life. 
Um, and a Taurus can hold its course against all odds. It will do that. It has that kind of strength. Now, the next chart that I looked at, um, unfortunately, is another tragic scenario. And this person has um, um, the Taurus circuit in the third house. Now, this is another tragic story. This is Nicole Simpson Brown. Uh, she was married to OJ Simpson. Um, and this is a night chart with Pisces rising, putting her Taurus sun in the third. Her moon is in Libra, making Venus support both the sun and the moon. Now, Venus herself is in Cancer. And Cancer is, um, well, uh, it's a very sensitive signature. Not necessarily... Um, I'm not going to say it's difficult for Venus. Venus typically rules an air sign and an earth sign. And so being in an emotional sign along with Mars. Now, this is a night chart. So Venus is the, the greater benefic in a night chart. And Mars is the lesser malefic. So in theory, you know, these two got along in the fifth house. And she did have children. And actually, when you first look at the chart, you're kind of, hmm, why did this go so badly? Well, part of the reason for that is that Venus, which rules both the moon and the sun, is opposed by the malefic Saturn. Um, and that obviously created a problem. Now, why she stayed as long as she did and why she went back... Um, may have had to do with uh, the fact that she has Pisces rising, Jupiter is up in Scorpio. And so there could have been sort of the, I'm not going to say deer in the headlight, but rather the, um, the idea of the snake that captures and mesmerizes the bird. That scenario um, might have been what was at play. But it's still hard to imagine the outcome. And so my guess is that I will be, um, you know, running this chart by a few people to see if there are other pieces that I'm missing. Okay, now the next fellow um, is a fourth house son in Taurus. And this one was a surprise because this is Karl Marx. Um, he two is a night chart with Aquarius rising. Um, and so that puts Saturn, the ruler, and it's in the second house. Um, now this is a new moon Taurus, co-present with Venus. So this is one of those mashups. We have the sun, the moon, and Venus, and the north node, all in Taurus, in an angular house, with the domicile lord there, in, his, in its own sign, and so an incredibly stable foundation did this man stand on. Yet his rising sign, which is Aquarius, is of course future thinking, and it sits in the second house of resources. Now I'm just going to read you some of what I found on Wikipedia, which, and keep in mind this really solid, stable route that he stands on. 
Okay, a German philosopher, economist, historian, sociologist, political theorist, journalist, and socialist revolutionary. And I see that in that Saturn in Pisces. Um, and it's ruled by a Jupiter in the 12th. So he understood the masses, okay, the, the, the idea of a mass of things. That's a 12th house thing, disappearing. Okay. Marx's critical theories about society, economics, and politics, collectively understood as Marxism, hold that human societies developed through class struggle in capitalism. This manifests itself in the conflict between the ruling class that control the means of production, production and the working class that enables these means by selling their labor power in return for wages. Employing a critical approach known as historical materialism, Marx predicted, like previous socioeconomic systems, capitalism produces internal tensions which would lead to its self-destruction and replacement by a new system known as socialism. Now, on some level, we are still, our society is still working its way between socialism and capitalism. This man's foundation that he built and put out into the world is huge. Um, okay, so... Um, for Marx, class antagonism under capitalism, owing in part to its instability and crisis-prone nature, would, eventu would eventuate the working class development of class consciousness. And again, that's that Saturn in Pisces, second house, Jupiter in Capricorn in the 12th. Um, Okay, leading to their conquest of political power and eventually the establishment of a classless communist society constituted by a free association of producers. Sounded like a plan, hasn't been able to be manifested, not sure that all the wrinkles and kinks are worked out of it. Um, because again, there is this, you know, this idea of a free association of producers. Don't know if the world can sustain that, which is interesting because... There are people, and myself I would include in there, that see Taurus almost like it's the Gaia, that it's Mother Earth. And uh, yeah, Mother Earth has limited resources. <laughs> okay, so Marx has been described as one of the most influential figures in human history, and his work has been lauded and criticized. Um, Okay, so Marx is typically cited as one of the principal architects of modern social sciences. This chart, I think I will be coming back to. It demonstrates that the difference between what we see as personality and what the soul is anchored in. So, um, his personality would come across as that Aquarian, cool thought, putting it out there, but yet with an intuitive sense, Saturn and Pisces, um, that can see things in a grand scale um, and actually give form to them. He's got uh, Mercury and Gemini, so he can speak it as well. Um, and he would have felt like a solid authority. 
on whatever. Okay, so he also had dogged determination to express ninth house ideals. Okay, so that's the Venus rules, the ninth and the fourth. Okay, so again, I, I suspect this is going to be a chart that I come back to just because it's very interesting. Okay, now our next one is, um, okay, where, where, here we go, is the fifth house sun in Taurus. And here we get um, a kind of very dignified person who, um, Unfortunately, her her um, her ability to hang on uh, for some has been, I suspect, a bit of a hard pill to swallow. And this is Queen Elizabeth II. And who's having the hard pill to swallow? Well, why her son, of course, Charles, who <laughs> has been primed to be king. And yeah, who knows? He may not. She may outlive him. It's entirely possible. Okay. We have a night chart with Capricorn rising. Saturn is in Scorpio, so she understands power. And it's in her 11th house. And so she understands the role that she plays um, in her, you know, country, in her um, social milieu, as you would say. Um, but she also understands the position of Britain in the world um, with that uh, Saturn in Scorpio. Moon is in Leo in her eighth and um, you know she has lived through easy times and dramatic times and hard times and I would say most people would say she's done it very gracefully. Um, Okay, so Venus is exalted in Pisces, the ruler of that sun. And the sun, of course, is in the fifth house of children. Um, and being exalted in the third house, that Venus, again, gives her that, um, I would say, mass appeal. Um, where, you know, even though she's the queen, I think people also see her as a real person. Okay, now her relationship to her people, Libra on the 10th, making Venus also in charge here too. And so, you know, it just works. It works very well, except for maybe Charles. Might not work so well for Charles. <laughs> okay, and the other thing is, as I mentioned earlier, of course, she's got Uranus going through that fifth house. And so, yeah, it's, you know, another big upheaval again this year with uh, her grandson uh, sort of decamping from his royal role. Um, and yet again, another crisis for her country, for her to stand up and be supportive in. Okay, now the next guy, um, have I done him before? I can't remember now. Um, this is a sixth house sun in Taurus and I am not entirely sure um, the accuracy of this chart um, but it does come with a birth time this is Leonardo da Vinci uh, born April 15th 1452 just after the Black Plague had gone through Europe yeah come to think of it Saturn is in a air sign hmm okay so um, Although he had, okay, so I'm just going to give you a little download from Happy Wikipedia here. 
Um, although he had no formal academic training, many historians and scholars regard Leonardo as the prime exemplar of the universal genius Renaissance man, an individual of unquenchable curiosity, fervishly inventive imagination. He is widely considered one of the most diversely talented individuals ever to have lived. According to art historian, the scope and depth, depth of his interests were without precedent in recorded history, and his mind and personality seemed to us superhuman, while the man himself mysterious and remote. Scholars interpret his view of the world as being based in logic, though empirical methods he used were unorthodox at the time. Okay, so what did, I mean, you don't sort of think of someone with that sort of description as having sun and Taurus, but, and if this time is even remotely correct, what the Taurus gave him was unflagging um, determination to explore what, I guess, his mind was putting out there. Now, he has Venus there, so again, that gives this unflagging determination, uh, sixth house. It does speak to the possibility of some issues with health, but maybe not. Um, he has, if this time is correct, he has a Sag rising, which would make sense in terms of the breadth of his studies. Um, his Jupiter is in Pisces, and so uh, the whole universe, literally, with Pisces, there is an intuitive connection there. Um, and the moon is there as well. And so that could speak to the breadth. Now, his Mercury is in Aries. I wouldn't have thought it to be um, fearless, yes, but not necessarily all that intelligent. But I guess that can go with that too. Now, it is opposite Saturn in Libra, and Saturn is exalted in Libra in the 11th house. And so he had the good fortune to fearlessly just go with his ideas. Maybe that's how it worked. Um, you know, because obviously the Venus is dignified. Um, it rules an exalted Saturn. Um, so his understanding of the natural rules of art might have been amazing. Or obviously they were, I should say. Might have been. No, they were. <laughs> but it's me trying to see it in the chart is what I think I'm trying to get at here. Okay, now we have come to the halfway mark and look at that. We are halfway through my time. Okay, so I think the timing here is going well. So now we have the sun above the horizon. And so the sun is of the sect in favor. Um, so Venus isn't, even though Venus might be in her own sign, she won't be quite as dignified as the charts that I just looked at. Um, but she's not too shabby. She is just the lesser benefic in a day chart. So, you know, all things being equal. So now my first surprising Taurus signature is seventh house, sun in the seventh house. So the sun in the seventh house kind of makes sense when you're talking about Sigmund Freud, who, um, again, has a very interesting, I'm just going to give you a short bio here. 
Okay, Sigmund Freud is considered the founder of psychoanalysis. Uh, Freud developed therapeutic techniques such as the use of free association and discovered transference, which if that doesn't say son in the seventh house, I don't know what does, establishing its central role in the analytical process. Freud's redefinition of sexuality to include infantile forms led him to formulate the Opedius complex, which feminists throughout time since then have just like, really? <laughs> so he may have hit a sour note there, I suspect. <laughs> okay. Um, so he understood models uh, or um, created his analysis of dreams as wish fulfillments provided him with models for clinical analysis of symptom formation and the underlying mechanisms of repression. On this basis, Freud elaborated his theory of unconscious and went on to develop a model of the psychic structure in comprising the id, the ego, and the superconscious. Um, now, you know, obviously, um, the whole field of psychiatry and stuff has evolved since then. Um, and that particular, you know, sort of sitting on the couch being analyzed has um, gone through a decline, but he opened those doors. Um, and um, yeah, that's that has probably been a good thing. So he has Scorpio rising, so that makes sense. Uh, great uh, BS detector vis-a-vis -vis congruency within the way people are expressing themselves. Mars retrograde, though, not happy in Libra in the 12th. Wow. Venus is in Aries, so there is a reception, mutual reception. So Venus can take care of a Mars, especially because Mars is going to take care of Venus. Um, and so even though they're not of the sect in favor, I don't know if that, if that neutralizes them. I'm in a study group. I am going to have to ask what other people's opinion is of that. Um, my sense is this is his whole sexual trying to figure that all out stuff with a very unfortunate patriarchal point of view. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, Taurus is in the seventh, co-present with Pluto, Uranus, and Mercury. Yes, he discovered the whole phenomena of projection. Um, and, you know, he was, his mind was ready to open the box, if I take that literally. Mercury conjunct Uranus in Taurus in the seventh house of relating, like, what's happening here? Uh, now, the conclusions he drew on may or may not stand the test of time, but um, he did do that. Now, he also has Moon in Gemini co-present with Saturn. Oh, guess what? In the eighth house of let's get to the bottom of what. And, you know, the eighth house in, in uh, Hellenistic times has been associated with death, inheritances, taxes and the like. And what I'm realizing is that the word inheritance also probably speaks to the inheritance of trauma structures being repeated. Um, you know, the abused 
turning into the abuser and that whole cycle that can go down through generations. My suspicion is, is the eighth house is also associated with that. So having Moon in Gemini and Saturn in Gemini there, the mind would be frantically trying to connect the dots in order to feel comfortable. Okay, another chart that I am likely to come back to. Okay, now the next one is, um, and I love these eighth house associations because they just so make sense. Um, okay, so this is uh, Harper Lee, who I know I've heard the name before, but didn't realize what it was connected to. And it turns out it was connected to a woman who wrote one incredibly significant book which was kind of a surprise because really it was one significant book and that book was To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, it wins a Pulitzer Prize and then that's it. Okay, she does have Libra rising so that again makes um, Venus the ruler of not just her personality and how she sees and experiences herself, but it also is um, connected to her soul or her son. Okay, so, and that son is conjunct, conjunct the part of fortune, which um, I suspect does add dignity. Uh, it's in the eighth house, which speaks to the content of the book that she wrote uh, quite effectively. Uh, Venus is exalted again in Pisces in the sixth. And so could she write about the oppression of a uh, sixth house slaves? I guess so. Born just after a full moon, and that is conjunct Saturn. And that could be why it was such a limited output. Um, and again, you know, this is Saturn conjunct uh, that full moon. Um, and yeah, that's Saturn in the seventh, limiting the resources. Interesting. Again, a question to put to a group of astrologers. Okay. Now, the next chart, um, again, this is a day chart. And let me just get my computer to pull down where I need to be next. There we go. Okay, is a ninth house sun in Taurus. And this gentleman also has Venus there. So again, a dignified sun with a dignified Venus, even though it is the lesser malefic or the lesser benefic, it still obviously has helped him out. A man with an idea that he has that is not going to let it get away from him. Reputation as a programming prodigy. Okay, and here we go, Prodigy again with a Mercury and Aries, and I'm just realizing that that's what Da Vinci had. Let me just pause here for a second, rattle through my sheets of paper, because I think Da Vinci had that as well. Yeah, Mars and Aries. All right, Prod Prodigy with, uh, not Mars, Mercury and Aries. Hmm. That could be worth a study. Okay, so a little bit of the bio. Um, so Zuckerberg launched the Facebook on February 4th, 2004. Uh, six days after the site was launched, 
three senior Harvard fellows that he knew accused Zuckerberg of intentionally misleading them into believing he would help them build a social network um, while instead using their ideas to build a competing product. Uh, following the official launch of Facebook's social media platform, the three filed a lawsuit. Uh, Zuckerberg settled. Uh, they got 1.2 million Facebook shares. Um, and then Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard and went on to become very rich and famous. So interesting though. Um, so why so successful? Again, this is another full moon chart. And if you look at this chart, you think, huh? But again, if that Mercury in Aries actually does signal prodigy in something, that Mercury rules his 10th house. Hmm. It also rules his rising, which is Virgo. And Virgo rising, um, you know, there is this um, delight in detail and, um, yeah, and just a work ethic that's unbelievable. But what troubles me about this chart, of course, is this wild um, opposition. We've got um, Pluto, Saturn, Moon, Mars, all in Scorpio, and they're all retrograde opposing that Sun Venus. And yet he's made it work. Um, yeah, so, and the Mars retrograde, like I can see why he's had as many legal problems. Again, that prodigy mind is in the eighth house where, um, and he runs into that whole share thing with Taurus. Um, it's an interesting combination. Um, so he has Jupiter and Capricorn in the fifth business acumen does make a square to that Mercury helping out. Um, but again, that opposition just glares at me and I go, wow, how was he able to make that work? Yeah. Okay. So now the next guy, my favorite comedian, has Sun in Taurus in the 10th. And who is that? Why, it's George Carlin, the smartest guy of the 20th century when it came to understanding human nature. And that's my opinion. Nobody else wrote that. I did. <laughs> he has Leo rising, apropos to for a comic. Uh, Taurus in the sun in the 10th, overcoming a retrograde Mercury. Okay, so um, interesting that um, you would think with the sharpest mind and the sharp as, you know, output that he was able um, but this is opposite, out of sign to Mars, which makes me wonder because uh, Mars is in Satch, so he does understand sort of social belief systems and norms and that kind of thing. And, you know, the Uranus is right there, conjunct the 10th. He, you know, was charged with the, the seven words that you're not allowed to speak, <laughs> that type of thing. But I'm amazed at the ease with which he spoke with Mercury being overcome by the sun and its retrograde. So there's a piece in there that um, the ancients used to point at that is going to require some further exploration on my part. That Mercury also rules moon in Gemini. Um, you know, so he was comfortable with a very fast talking, but, uh, 
Yeah. Interesting. Very solid. The Taurus definitely came through. Um, okay, he spoke straight from the hip um, and all about the words. Okay, so that's Gemini in the 11th. Um, and his amazing worldview, even though it was Mars retrograde. Um, of course, now that I think about it, when I say Mars retrograde, of course it's going against the accepted beliefs. Um, and so he challenged us. Um, and he challenged us in very, I think, um, appropriate and, um, yeah, wake-up calls, I see, you know, with the way he spoke. Okay, two charts to go. 15 minutes to do it in, plus my, where's that moon this week? Okay, so 11th house. I have looked at this chart before. This is Salvador Dali. He has uh, Sun, Venus, Mercury, Mars, all in Taurus, all in the 11th house of good fortune. Um, in the last time that I looked at his chart, just because of the way he always loved to be photographed with his eyes doing this really big, wide open thing, kind of didn't make sense with Cancer Rising, but the jury's still out on that. Okay, so that Sun um, is absorbing that Mercury and Mars. And, you know, he obviously put all that energy out into his art, into his aesthetics. Venus is also there in Taurus, so the art he produced um, was exceptional. Um, he has Saturn in the eighth, so he was willing, in Aquarius, willing to take his art into the future, into all sorts of different modalities. And that too speaks to Taurus, because it is of the five physical senses, so it's not going to be satisfied with just one tactile the smell of things or the sound of things or the feel of things. Um, you know, it's going to, he will want to engage in many different physical forms. Uh, so the fact that he did that in his art career makes total sense. He's got Jupiter and Aries up there on the 10th, along with the moon in Aries. And so he was brave, even though he was a Cancer rising. And that's not uncommon. Cancer risings typically most people are totally unaware of how sensitive they are because they do need to build a protective skin. Um, they just have to be careful not to let um, themselves get engulfed by that skin. Okay, now our last chart is one of the mysteries of my latest incarnation of studying ancient astrology, and that is the amount of people who have 12th house signatures that are really successful because in theory 12th house is you know like confinement or being lost in the masses like being one of many um, which is fine I mean there's nothing wrong with that uh, to you know be sort of disappear into oh, something like the police force or the army or one of, uh, you know, a group of monks or something like that, where your individuality is assumed by the greater. And sometimes it is literally a house of confinement uh, of the kind that, you know, you're not really happy with. But this is um, the 12th house Taurus that I've picked is Tony Blair. And, um, you know, he obviously did 
he was Prime Minister of Great Britain for 10 years and so obviously did well. Um, he had Gemini, he had Gemini rising with Mars right there. Um, and there was a quote from, let's see now, I'll get to the quote. Um, it's not right on my page right at the moment. Okay, Mute, Mercury is in mutual reception with that Aries. Um, and so we've got uh, Mars in Gemini, Mercury in Aries. So there's a, you know, a mutual, I'll help you if you'll help me. And that's also where his Taurus ruler is. Venus is also in Aries. So again, if that Mercury in Aries is progeny, maybe he was a really smart cookie. <laughs> and those two planets are opposite Saturn in Libra. And Saturn, of course, is exalted in Libra. It knows how the how to structure relationship so that it works for you. And this is also between the 5th and the 11th. So lots of brownie points. Um, okay. Um, Okay, so the greater benefic is there to help as well. It's with that sun in the 12th house in Taurus. Um, and so again, you know, he, he could disappear into politics, but then he also had the ability to rise up and be prominent. Um, part of fortune is also up there in uh, the 10th. That must have helped as well. Yeah, interesting. And again, uh, one that I'm likely going to look at again. So in his maiden speech in the House of Commons on July the 6th, 1983, Blair stated, I am a socialist, not through reading a textbook that has caught my intellectual fancy, nor through unthinking tradition, but because I believe that at its best, socialism corresponds most closely to an existence that is both rational and moral. It stands for cooperation, not confrontation, for fellowship, not fear. It stands for equality. And when I read that, I just went, <laughs> goosebumps, because that is Saturn in Libra, exalted in the fifth, opposite Venus, Mercury in Aries. Beautifully said. Also, he has moon in Aquarius, future thinking, future comfort, in the ninth house of being able to state a belief in, you know, in such a, um, yeah, forthright way. Uh, Blair has been noted also as being charismatic, articulate speaker with an informal style. Um, a theater director, Richard Iyer, opined that Blair had a very considerable skill as a performer. A few months after becoming Prime Minister, Blair gave a tribute to Prince Diana, Princess of Wales, on the morning of her death in August of 1997, in which he famously described her as the people's princess. He was the one that came up with that, which is, you know, she will be forever known as that. Okay, and again, we have Mercury and Aries. Oh, I would love to have a Mercury and Aries, I'm thinking. <laughs> okay, this brings me now to uh, my closing segment, which is Where's That Moon? And we will, of course, start with today. And today we have Moon in Pisces set the stage for Mercury in Aries to fire up Mars in Aquarius. 
who can come up with the best exit plan? And of course, I'm thinking pandemic here. It just might be a plan to come up with one of your own. Other forms of verbal jousting may also ensue today. Okay, Sunday. When the sun rises, we get the sun's entrance into Taurus, the time of the year to indulge in all your physical sensations. Moon in Pisces is up for good news with sextiles to Pluto and Jupiter in Capricorn. Or sadlessly reckless return to business as usual. Mm, there are some evidences of that starting to come out of the States. Monday, April the 20th, overnight the moon fired up into Aries and touched off Saturn in Aquarius. A reminder to be aware of limitations we are imposing on us all and the very good reason for it. The reality of the need will be challenged tonight when the sun squares Saturn at midnight precisely. And so, yeah, um, are we ready to let up on some of these restrictions in some places in the world? Yeah, so a bit of a reality test here. Tuesday, the 21st, and Aries moon has us all fired up with the early triggers to Venus and Gemini at uh, 4.17 a.m. And then Mars at 6.34. Back east in Canada and the U.S., they'll feel this first. Are there real alarm bells ringing? Moon and Aries. Uh, moon conjunct Mercury and Aries at 1.05 p.m. will let us know. Okay. Uh, Wednesday the 26th, uh, with the moon moving into Taurus at 12.35 p.m., we get a new moon at 7.25 p.m. tonight. Prep yourself with the slow plan for this moon cycle. Go for deep, long projects a square from the moon to saturn points out the reality of what is possible and what is not possible for this upcoming new moon the chart for powell river is not a happy one i was kind of wishing i hadn't bothered to look we collectively could experience the death of something and it will come as a surprise and i'm thinking cultural or an entertainment thing Okay, Thursday, April the 23rd, Moon in Taurus reverberates off Uranus overnight and then lines up for a challenging square to Mars at 10 p.m. tonight. The future is on our minds. Okay, um, Friday, April the 24th, may I suggest that you take a chill pill on Friday and stoke up the heart with gratitude to carry us over the hump of tomorrow. And that's next Saturday. The Taurus moon makes nice connections to the remaining Capricorn gang of Jupiter and Pluto. Echoes of the way life used to be or goodwill towards the folks trying to sheer, steer the ship these days. Okay, so next Saturday. Not a pretty day. <laughs> To showcase the roller coaster of today will be a moon in Gemini. The social networks and news outlets will be stoked. Pluto, the guy in charge of deep transformation, makes his annual station to retrograde today. Anyone with 25 degrees of cardinal signs, Capricorn, Aries, Cancer, Libra, will likely have an intense day with the hope that all is returning to normal 
Not likely, but they may be hoping. Meanwhile, an Aries Mercury is squaring off both that Pluto and Jupiter, sounding alarm bells. Can the Gemini moons trying to Saturn get the facts straight? That will be the big question. Okay, folks, and there goes my 26th episode. Oh, I'm kind of proud of myself. Anyway, um, remember that if you want um, to look at the charts I've talked about, they will be all up on my website, which is cardinalastrology.ca. Um, and in the meantime, remember to tune into CJMP 90.1 FM Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And thank you for listening. This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM Powell Rivers Community Radio Station.